Simplified Chaos, episode 118. Life is beautiful and full of chaos. And it can get slightly out of hand if that shit's not tamed. We're here to share how to simplify the little things to help you lead a more intentional life. This is Simplified Chaos. Hello, hello, wonderful friends. Welcome to Simplify Chaos. This is Jillian, one of your hosts, and I'm with Nicholas, my co-host and husband. What's going on, folks? Hope you all are having a wonderful week. We've got another great episode here for you. It is an interview episode. Jilly, who'd you talk to this past week? I had the pleasure of sitting down with Jen Willie, and we had such a beautiful and inspiring as hell conversation. I did not want to stop chatting. I literally chatted with her until I had to go. I forgot I had dinner plans. You were late. I was a little bit late to dinner plans with my mom You're and never sister. Late. Because I we were just engaged in like just some real raw conversation about motherhood, life, different seasons of life, how to input self-care and take care of yourself. Um, so just to give you a little backstory, Jen is a self-care coach for women, mostly women that are in business. And she's a mama of two, she's a podcast host, and she is a former foster youth. And she has such an incredible story to share, and I can't wait for you all to hear it. Um, She shares everything about her starting in foster care, what led her there, her journey to like heal herself and find love and stability, and just to live a life that feels good from the inside out. And I think you're really gonna enjoy her, her real honesty about trying to find self-care in different seasons of life. And yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to Jen and I just can't wait for y'all to listen. All right. Well, I'm excited about this. I hope everybody else is. So grab your popcorn or keep your eyes on the road. And here we go with our interview with Jen. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, Before every episode, we always start with gratitude. Just we think that's really important for us. So I guess what is one thing that you're grateful for today? Gosh, I, I'm feeling really grateful for the health of my family and also for myself. I have had a few different moments throughout the day where that's just become kind of top of mind. And I just can't be grateful enough for that. You know, like it's a seize the day, seize the moment, all the worries, all the things I have going on are pretty minuscule when you come back to that foundational truth that, Hey, we're okay. You know, and that's, that feels good. So true. I am definitely on board with that. Um, and I am grateful for you being flexible as well and coming on here and chatting with me for about an hour. Um, I know your time is precious. I know you are a mom too, correct? I am. Yes. I have two kids. So I have Marin, who is uh, two and a half, and then Emmett, who is about seven months old as we're recording this. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Two and a half. So Lucille is about, she'll be three next month. Um, it's definitely a fun stage. <laughs> the, the two to three, I'm like, wow, I have no idea what this was going to be like. And it's, it's quite fascinating. Oh yeah. Every day is an adventure. My husband and I just look at each other because it's like, it's so fun and it's, such big emotions and it's, you know, just so many wonderful, great things and tough times and all of it. (laughs) 
Absolutely. I, I keep saying that I think I've learned more from Lucille than I have like in high school. Like when I, when I think about like valuable life lessons, I'm like, I, I just can't wrap my head around how much I, she's like teaching me. It's insane. Like she's not, she's not even three. And I've learned like so many just pivotal moments about myself and we've made pivots because of her. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me when I think about it. Yes. Yes. Agreed. It It is a really beautiful chapter of life in a lot of ways. Cause they just, they're so youthful and they're so, you know, naturally curious about so many things and seeing things experienced through a child's eyes for the first time is such a awesome gift as well. You know, it just takes you back to just the simplification of life, you know, just how exciting a leaf is or a rock or, you know, like this is my favorite, her favorite toy right now, (laughs) you know, a rock. It's just, it's great. (laughs) Oh, I keep, I had a hashtag for a little bit, like who needs toys? Like why do we even buy toys? Because Lucille, yeah, she finds joy in like the simple things like a rock or a stick or, <laughs> you know, even like bubble paper, like that is a thing. It's not really a toy, but we are in process of moving. So she discovered bubble paper and I'm like, we need to take this on an airplane. We need to take this when we travel. Like we need to bring bubble paper everywhere we go because <laughs> it's like so simple, but it keeps you occupied for like a half an hour because of all the tiny bubbles. I'm like, <laughs> so interesting. Um, and so I, I read a little bit about your, your story on your blog, but I would love to hear it from you. Um, it's just quite fascinating. I, you know, your story, it's just, I would love to hear however much you want to tell, like where you started and how you got to be doing the work you're doing today and, um, all that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess to, to go from the very beginning, I just, have become so passionate about self-care and helping people really come home to themselves. Because for me, I didn't have a home for many, many years of my life. I was taken away from my mom when I was 13 years old. And the years leading up to being taken away, going into foster care, were also really um, just, just tough, tough, tough years. You know, it's hard to put into words what it was, you know, and, and, in my reflection as a 36 year old now is that those years before being put into foster care weren't the greatest either. They were pretty challenging. Um, There was a lot of love, but my mom really struggled with drug addiction. And I started to become aware of that at a pretty early age. I was around eight years old when I started to recognize that my life was really different than other kids at school We moved around a lot. My mom would leave us for days and days at a time. I'm the oldest of seven total kids, um, but it kind of every year, you know, it would gradually just get, things would kind of escalate. And so around the time that I was 13 years old, we started having more visits from social workers and people from the court, you know, just checking in on our family life and our home life. And that was really when things also peaked in terms of my mom's uh, addiction. She would think the longest stretch she left us around that time was seven days. And, you know, I would be home by myself with my siblings. Her boyfriend would be sometimes in and out of the house. He worked quite a bit and I was very young trying to, you know, feed for, or uh, create meals and, you know, make sure my brothers were bathed and fed and going to school. And meanwhile, I was staying home from school doing those things. So it kind of just reached a big peak and we were put into foster care. And 
from the time I was 13 until I was 18, I spent in various different foster homes and they all couldn't have been more different than the next, you know, each one was its own little novel, to be honest. Um, we, my brother and I, my, so the, right after me, there's my brother, uh, Chris, the two of us were in the first foster home together. They actually tried to keep us together and, um, we were in the next foster home together as well. And then my third foster home was when we got separated, but, I spent uh, up until 18 in foster care. And around that time, I also knew that I just had bigger plans and dreams and things that I wanted to do for myself. And I didn't want the life that I knew all those years before. I didn't want to be struggling with rent. I didn't want to be struggling with paying bills. I didn't want to, you know, not have sheets on my bed. Like I just so badly wanted a clean, simple life to, you know, to put it quite frankly. And I more than anything wanted a family. I wanted somebody to love me. I wanted to have a family of my own someday. And I just really, really kept the goal of going to school at top of mind. For me, that felt like an out, a way to create a better life. And I went to college. I was able to get scholarships to pay for it and found a really great small school that immediately felt like home. And I made some really dear, dear friends while I was in college who I think were really positive examples in my life and just really loyal, loving, like family type friends and eventually graduated and, uh, struggled really big after graduating college. I actually um, felt the most lost I think I'd ever felt in my life around that time because suddenly the comfort and stability of college had faded. You know, college gave me things that um, I didn't know were kind of cushions at the time. Like I, I had so much structure from just being a student at that time. I, I had a place to live. I had people around me at all times. I, you know, if I wasn't at school, I was working. There was just a lot in place there that really kept me focused and very happy. And um, after I went to college, I really felt very lost. I actually went to Spain for a year to teach abroad. And, you know, in that kind of vein of finding myself, I, I just think I was just so deeply scared of being on my own. You know, I didn't know how to be an adult. I didn't know what would happen if I failed. I didn't have any family at that point to live with. And so I remember I got my first teaching job after Spain. I came back, I was 22 or 23 at the time. And that was when I had my first episode of bulimia. I, um, I just remember the feelings had kind of like felt so big inside my body that I didn't really know what even was going on. I just felt so overwhelmed. I could never tell you I felt scared or I felt sad or I felt worried there. Those feelings weren't, you know, touchable at that time. And it was just a summer where I started engaging in these really terrible eating disordered behaviors. And the moment it started, I knew I wanted it to stop. I knew that it wasn't how I wanted to take care of myself. And so I started finding a therapist and 
simultaneously the eating disorder grew and it got worse. So it was like, while I'm trying to get help, I'm also getting worse in my eating disorder. And I struggled with that for about four years before I finally started to feel the effects of being in recovery. And I also, this whole time (laughs) was dating this incredible guy named Adam and I met him in high school and he literally was my rock. He stood by me through all of this. Um, I remember we were about to get an apartment together and I knew that if I move in with this guy, he has to know what's going on. Like he cannot not know that I'm having all this, this, you know, tough time with my eating disorder. And so I remember telling him and he just, he, he was relieved, you know, it's probably sounds crazy to hear that, but he told me afterwards, he said, Jen, he's like, he's like, I know this sounds terrible, but he's like, I thought, I thought you were having an affair. Like, I thought you were cheating. Like, I thought you were like with somebody else because it just felt like I didn't have you at all. Like you, you were just, I can't remember his exact words, but it's really interesting that he worded it that way because, um, anybody that has been through an addiction knows that, it is in a way like you're holding back, you're lying, you're having like a secret life, you know? And he wasn't happy to hear, obviously, that I was hurting and going through so much pain. But I think in a way, it felt like something that the two of us together could really, um, you know, try our best to, to work through and get help and, you know, try to come out on the other side together, at least, you know, and I wanted this recovery path so badly. I, like I said, the moment it happened, I I knew that it just wasn't how I wanted to be in my life. All the things that I dreamt of when I was a little girl, it was like, just so frustrating at times to know that I was struggling that way. And so I finally found a really great program in Chicago that uh, just was everything that I needed. And some, I learned about mindfulness. I learned about how to handle emotions. I learned how to name my emotions things that I never learned, things I never once knew about. And day by day, I really committed to journaling, starting my day, taking care of myself. And the biggest thing they taught me was that you're going to have hard days. You're going to have days where you struggle while you're in recovery. And you just, you can't say that you're bad. You can't think that you're, you know, a failure. The way through this is, you know, recognizing that you're on the journey and that there's a lot of ups and downs. And so I trusted that even though I didn't believe it, I trusted it and I allowed it to be in my body to feel that when I was feeling really discouraged. And Adam, my boyfriend at the time was so wildly supportive and just, you know, would create safe spaces for me to tell him when I was struggling. And he also, you know, learned also how to be supportive to me through um, going to some of these recovery groups with me. And so fast forward, I am happy to say I completely recovered from my eating disorder when I was 26 years old. And it was right around the time Adam proposed to me and asked me to marry him. And I, since then, was, you know, I think initially I was teaching for several years and enjoyed it. And then I realized in my recovery journey and getting better and healing that I wasn't pretty, I wasn't really happy. I didn't actually like getting up at 5.30 a.m. every day and stressing out. And as much as I loved my students and loved that line of work, I was exhausted. And I 
really wasn't in a you know space to take very good care of myself. I was kind of last on my list. And so I went to this uh, uh, kind of group session one weekend and it happened to be all about manifesting your vision and creating a vision. This was the first time I ever did any vision work. And sitting right across from me, Jillian, was this bright light of a human named Beth. She told me her job. She said she was a life coach. And I was like, well, what is that? I'm like, I'm fascinated about this life coaching business. And she starts telling me about it. And it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, mm-hmm. that is what I want to do. I was like, this is, I never even knew this job existed. It sounds <laughs> fantastic. Tell me more. And so I ended up uh, resigning from my teaching position and I did some instructional coaching within my district right before I left, which was fantastic. It kind of gave me a buffer into the coaching world. And then I started coaching some clients one-on-one on the side. And I did that for about a year until I felt quote unquote ready. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just took a giant leap of faith again with the incredible support of my partner, Adam, I um, decided to start my own coaching practice. And that was back in 2014. And I am so grateful and happy to say that it's been the best decision of my life. I have learned so much about just thinking about what you want and holding that space to dream it up and figuring out how to do it. I think that's the best part of the path is things are figure outable, you know, the things that you want to do, the things that you're excited about, you might feel like, Oh, I just, there's no way I can't do that. Like this, this, and this is, you know, going to be impacted. Well, it's probably going to be impacted, but is that such a bad thing? You know, that was kind of my leap of faith was how am I going to figure this out? And so my husband and I are going on 10 years of marriage this summer. I am over 10 years completely recovered from my eating disorder. I have, you know, like I said, two children, we're about to build a house. This is actually the second house we'll be building in the time we've been married. (laughs) And I'm grateful. I'm so wildly grateful. And all those hard knocks would not have, you know, they were awful as ever while I was going through it, but they have completely defined the woman that I am today and the work that I do with my clients on self-care and really you know, looking inward at who we want to be and how we can lovingly tend to ourselves while we, we create those things. So it's been a long, hard walk, but a very fruitful one. And you got the long, long version. Cause I know you said we have an hour. So no, no. And that's, that's what I wanted. I want to leave the space for you to share as much as you want. And I love all the tiny details. Cause I feel like they, they so add up. And I don't think a lot of people realize like those tiny things that happen, like lead you in a direction of, you know, well, any direction, but I think those little pivotal moments of like just saying yes to something that lights you up, which is so scary. Like you said, that leap of faith. And I feel like I was so drawn to you because I feel like I'm going on that journey as well. And to see you on the other side, and I know it's, it's still a journey. Like we're never you know there. Um, I'm experiencing those goosebump moments, goosebump moments, or when your body is just like, oh my gosh, like this, this is what I really want to do and just listening and creating that space for it. And I had no idea you were a teacher until I started reading your bio and I'm a teacher as well. So it's very similar. I wake up at 5.00 AM. I've I've been doing it for 12 years. This is my 12th year of teaching. So I've been waking up at 5.00 AM and I Mm -hmm. totally understand like, it's so difficult to create space for yourself. Mm -hmm. 
with a full day, especially when you are responsible for taking care of children <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and then some. So, Absolutely. Um, and I, I love your whole mission of just taking care of yourself first, because I have just seen a complete difference in my life when I started focusing more and not feeling selfish about it. I think that's the, the taboo thing is that some people are like, you know, should you really be doing all that for yourself? Isn't that like, you know, yeah. selfish of you and taking this time to do that, especially when you're a mom, I'm noticing it's like, I still feel guilty and shameful sometimes when I say I'm doing all these things by myself. And I'm like trying to get past that barrier and like normalize, like, that's okay. Like, yeah, it's actually pretty cool to do that. <laughs> you know, self-care feels different than when things are selfish, you know, like I, I look at it like this. It's like, you know, taking care of of myself at like the core level, when I'm able to pour from a cup that feels full and, you know, I, I inside feel cared for and secure and grounded and loved, you know, so much of what's happening around me, I think kind of reaps the benefits of that space as well. And I think that sadly in, in motherhood and parenthood, there's a lot of shaming that comes from, you know, taking time out for yourself and, it shouldn't be that way, but it is for some people, for some of us, you know, even very well-meaning people in our lives, like might see an act that we're doing for ourselves as being selfish. And I have come to realize that, you know, if, if somebody has a problem with me, you know, truly just taking five minutes out of my day to journal or to, you know, shower a nice long shower, you know, or whatever it is, you know, like that's, that's their stuff to kind of process and unpack. And I will hold that space with them if they want to talk about it, but never am I neglecting my kids or, you know, not having savoring time with them or having special space with them through my own acts of self-care. If anything, it's making those times that I have with them so much more rich and abundant. And I also just want to say to you, like hats off to you from a teacher to another teacher. Like (laughs) I can't stress to you enough how like amazing that path is and how fruitful it is and how much I wish that it was even more held on a pedestal for people that do it. And I wish that there was more space for teachers to have for self-care too. I mean, speaking of that, you know, and for me at the time of like awareness, I think that I was coming to like after being in recovery for so long and really getting super aware of how my job, my daily work was impacting my well-being. You know, it's not that it, it's not that my eating disorder happened because of my work or anything like that. It, it, there was so much going on to kind of stimulate that in the first place. But I realized through the recovery path that kind of like what you had touched on, like there's just this like longing for something bigger and, and I don't even know what the right word is. It was just something different than what I was doing. And that was kind of a little voice that started getting louder and louder, the more that I turned inward and thought about what I wanted. So it was kind of like, ah, like, you know, I love working with kids, but at the same time, like I'm not, I'm not feeling as fulfilled as I think I could be. And that was kind of the realization, you know? No, it sounds like through your whole journey, like you were so conscious of everything you were going through. Like, even when you knew that wasn't the path that you wanted, you were like, I'm aware of it, which I think is so magical. There's a lot of people who go in a different direction and spiral down and they, they have no idea like 
that it is the wrong path. They, they're going through the motions, but the fact that you were so self-aware throughout it all is just, it's crazy to, to, to hear you say that. Like, I knew this wasn't what I wanted and I was dedicated to like finding a different direction. Um, and I, I heard something else that you said about like leaving the cushion and that kind of spoke to me too. Cause I feel like speaking from my own perspective, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people who can relate. We, there's so many stages in life that I feel like it feels like a cushion, like you get comfortable, you have support. And then when something does call you or something happens, that stage of like figuring it out is so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. And it sounds like you had such an amazing support system through that stage. Was there, so the the support system that you had, you said it was your now husband, Adam, Mm -hmm. (laughs) was um, the life coach that you met like, tell me a little bit more about that phase when you discovered and, you know, you were so curious to like, learn more, like, how did that evolve? Like, did she tell you about like training to go to, was she like your mentor? Like, I would love to hear that those in-between stages that I feel like can be so messy yeah. and so complicated. The fact that you, like, I, I love to hear the details about that if you wouldn't mind. Totally. So I think you're asking such a great question. Cause I think really anytime there's a cross like this, this kind of intersection, so to speak of like where we're at and where we want to be. There's this like kind of valley, if you imagine of like how we're, how we're, how are we going to get there? And I want to give total credit to Lisa Congdon. I've actually heard her speak before. She's a fantastic artist. If any of you listening are not familiar with her, I highly recommend going to her Instagram and checking her out. But she gave such a beautiful visual of this and said, you know, you kind of start up high here at this peak and everything's kind of aware to you. You see what you're going to do and you even see the other side of where you want to be. It's like totally like visible to you. But in order to get there, there's this like giant drop, like this very low valley that you got to get through to get over to the other side. And that feeling is something that you experience anytime you take a big risk in your life. Anytime you do something that's new and foreign. I mean, I'm going to even use the simplest kind of example here of having a podcast. You know, there's probably a point where you're like, I want to have a podcast. And then you're like, great. I see the end. I know what it's going to be called. I can see what I'm going to do. But then there's this giant dip of like, you got to figure out how to run the podcast. You got to figure (laughs) out how to do the equipment. You got to, you know, there's like so many layers that you got to figure out. And so that is like the most like physical level of looking at how this kind of happens. But when it's an intrinsic one of like, I want to kind of change my daily, like how I show up in the world. I want to change that piece of what I'm doing. It feels exciting. It feels liberating. It feels scary. It feels like your heart shaking, you know, you're, you have no idea what's going to happen. And so I love that you ask about supports because we really do have to have kind of a few key players in our kind of realm of taking risk that, are going to kind of look back at us and go, okay, you know, you can do this. And I also want to state that anytime we become very much aware of what we want, we also have to be prepared for even people who love us very, very much are likely going to be very scared of the risk that we want to take and might have pushback on that as well. And again, going back to even that whole like self-care being selfish piece, when people show you their worry and their scare, 
it's about them and it's more than likely nothing to do with you. <laughs> so just as a little reminder there. So Beth, my, and Beth Racine is the name of the coach that I saw at that vision workshop. She actually was probably one of my number one cheerleaders who championed me from the beginning, her and Adam. But she said to me, she was like, you know, we started to kind of develop a close friendship. We talked quite a bit and she knew very quickly that I wanted to go down this path as well. And she said, Jen, you know, I would love for you to coach me. She's like, why don't we start there? Cause I, there's a lot that I want to work through. Like, I'd love to just talk to you about that and go from there. And so I was at the same time getting coach training. And so that's where I started. I just started coaching Beth and she finally said to me, cause I felt like I needed all these like you know, accolades coming out of teaching. I was like, I need to be certified and I need to have this and I need to have that. And so she helped me kind of switch my own story around what success means and what being, um, you know, legit looks like. And so she said to me, she's like, you know, in this path of coaching, there's a reason why you can't just go to your university and become a life coach. Like, they have tried and tried and tried to create some kind of, you know, system for accrediting people for this. And there are groups out there that try to do this right now. But Beth just said to me flatly, she's like, you either got it or you don't. And she's like, you got it. She's like, you've totally got it. Like you were born with this, you know, inner way of holding space and listening to people and really allowing them to show up vulnerably who they as who they are. And that is what coaching, you know, at the core is all about. And I was so humbled and and really honored to hear somebody that I looked up to say that to me, gave me kind of that little bit of confidence to try it and just go out there. Cause gosh, that Valley, you know, when you're standing at the top and you see what you want to do on the other side, it's so scary. And to have somebody who I thought was really great at this role, tell me that she thinks I'm good at it was really, really empowering. And my husband at the same time was like, very, 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 I think I want to, I want to put it out there that he was also a little nervous about this path. (laughs) Right. But he was like, I've never seen you happier and like more excited. He's like, go for it. Like, let's figure this out. You're going to do this. Like, this is great. And so he never once doubted that I was going to crush it. Like he was just like, you're going to do great, you know, but at the same time, the two of us were like researching it. And we knew that like, I'm probably not going to make money out the gate. And so I also realized early on that my coaching business couldn't be what I had all my stock in, in terms of what I was bringing money in. Like I had to have other things going on to support and sustain what I wanted to bring in to our household, because trying to rely on my passion wasn't going to help me you know, I knew if I really wanted to focus on the the craft of coaching, I couldn't be worried about money. I couldn't be thinking about that when I'm trying to coach somebody. So we figured out like, here's how we're going to do it. And my husband sat with me and we kind of came up with like my initial business plan and I just took a risk and I finally, finally did it. And there were a lot of people who I think 
love me very, very much who were a little worried, you know, like, especially some of my teacher friends, if any of you are listening, I love you dearly. No, no (laughs) diss here. But a few of them, I think said to me, like, you're going to walk away from your tenure. You know, like I've even had a couple of older teacher friends who are now retired. You're going to walk away from your pension. Like, you know, there's just a lot of stability that comes with being a teacher. You know, we're, we're, compensated well when we're retired, I would like to say while we're in it, not so much, but (laughs) well, when we're out of it, there's, there's definitely incentive to be, I think, have a retirement package as a teacher, a hundred percent. And so I just, um, I said, I was like, you know, it is scary and I am walking away from tenure and that's scary. And I'm walking away from a pension. That's really scary. And I'm also walking towards something though that I'm really, really excited about. And I feel really eager to learn and to try. And I also told myself, I'm like, look, if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to being a teacher because I loved being a teacher. I was just really tired. I wanted to create my own schedule and work with my own people. And so, yeah, it was, it was scary, but I did have a few critical people in my life who really, really believed in me. And I will say I believed in myself. You know, I think at the core of it, I was scared, but I also knew that I was really committed to it. And I knew that, you know, more than anything, I wanted to make it work. And so I trusted that. Oh my goodness. Everything you just said is just, yes, yes. And yes. I love the mindset of not always looking about what you're letting go, what you're gaining from the experience. Cause I think it's so easy to hold on to that fear of like, these are all the things that I'm leaving and just to kind of focus on what's going to be behind you instead of the bright light of like, what are you walking towards? Like, what are you gaining from letting that get out of the way? And then, so I love that whole mindset shift on walking towards something versus keep thinking about what you're letting go. Cause I can totally relate about like, the health insurance, like that cushion is Mm. so amazing. But what I'm hearing you say is that there's not always freedom and creativity and dreams inside the cushion. Like it's there and it's safe, but it's not always like the bigger thing that you want. Like it feels so good, but it's, I don't know. Like it, I just love everything you said. You just expressed it in such a beautiful way. And I love how you talk about the people that are supporting you, but also the people who may doubt you, because I think it's important to talk about that. Cause I think we all have those people in our life that love us to death, but they're like, I'm scared for you. (laughs) I'm scared for you to leave that cushion. (laughs) And that that's real. You know, I've actually worked with quite a few clients who've been met with that fear from their, their husbands, from people who they adore and know, adore them back. Like it's just, sometimes there is that fear. And I think it's a very, palpable fear. And it's also a very important fear to recognize is there and to really, I think, hold space for it and to love on it and to know like fear is trying to get us to be cared for and to be safe and to not totally fall and like throw everything to bits, you know? So I think for, for me, it's been about, right. How do I tend to that fear and how do I quiet that inner fear I call it my fear girl. How do I quiet my fear girl down? What do I say to her? How do I talk back to her in a way that lets her know that I've got this, I'm safe, we're good. You don't need to go raising, you know, throwing the flag. Um, I do just want to say though, that 
in terms of going after what you want, um, I, around this time that I was pursuing this, I actually talked to another coach and I remember she said to me, she goes, well, you know, at the end of the day, you got to think about, do you want freedom or do you want stability? And she was like, where do you live on that? And I have to tell you, Jillian, that was really hard for me because all my life, all I ever wanted was stability. Like you're talking to somebody who literally was uprooted from all of her homes, only ever wanted to be, you know, grounded in a loving home. So to have that kind of presented as like, if you choose this, then you're letting go of this. And if you choose this and you're letting go of this. And I think this coach meant really well in kind of packaging it that way to me. But what I recognized as I was doing that inner work was I don't have to choose, Mm. you know, I want my freedom in the work that I do and I'm going to claim my stability. And one of the things I always tell people, I have it plopped all over my Instagram is um, I create all the love and stability I need. So nobody can take that away from you. You don't have to choose between stability and freedom. You know, your stability is something you create for you as is your freedom. You know, I think we can go after both in terms of how we structure our time. And here's the deal. I've also worked with quite a bit of um, women who ultimately want to pursue their creativity while also having the stability and structure of their nine to five job. And I think that that is also a very important realization that, you know, sometimes it's just about tapping into an inner want that's maybe being suppressed in some way, something that we really want for ourselves that we're not giving space to, to do and to let shine. So it's, it's, it's different for each one of us, you know, and we get to have both. (laughs) I love that, that stability and freedom together. And I, you talk about that a lot on your Instagram too. Just the whole, I love the word thrive so much. It just, to me, I just picture a light that you, you always, I think there was a quote or something. You just said that something like you can thrive in both business and your personal, like you can thrive with relationships. Like you don't just have to pick one to thrive in, like you can have it all. But I think it's so hard for people to know, to know that unless you experience it or let go of things that, you know, are holding you back from thriving in all areas of your life. And I love that you, you preach that you can have it all. I know it's sometimes it's hard to, to grasp if you're in a tough place or you're in a valley. Like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out, but um, I well, love because that. Because to just speak to that real quick, it's, I, I want to also be really intentional about kind of how, how we're describing that. Cause it's, it's hard. There are hard times in our lives where we're not taking very good care of ourselves. And my therapist, I also have worked with a therapist for many, many years. I remember I was having a really hard day just probably a year or two ago. And I was feeling like it, it had been like two or three weeks of me just feeling like I wasn't taking very good care of me. And she kind of said to me, she actually sent me this image of a, a woman doing yoga, doing a tree pose, I think was, was the pose. And all she was doing was standing. And my therapist at the time said, you know, when you're in tree pose and you're standing as straight as you can be, you'll notice that you're still swaying ever so slightly. You're not actually standing perfectly straight up. You know, your, your arms and your body is just gently, gently swaying. And she's like, but you're still standing. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was a really powerful visual for me that 
you could have a really off month, an off several weeks, an off day, whatever it is, and not even off, but just things aren't going the way you'd like them to, but to know that you're still taking care of yourself. You are still standing up, you know, even if you haven't showered or brushed your teeth or whatever it is, you're still here. You're still standing up. You're still going through those motions. Even if maybe you slept in bed all day, like whatever it is, (laughs) you know, I just, I want to be very cautious to that because it's not about like having everything completely cared for and thriving and totally like, you know, bright and sparkly. Like life isn't like that. There is a lot of seasons and very frequently where things are not feeling like they're all equal and, you know, doing as well as we want them to be. And I think that visuals really help me be gentle with myself when I'm feeling very discouraged. I like that. The whole tree pose. (laughs) I'm I'm all about like uh, just visualizations or pictures. I'm very much a visual learner and being an elementary school teacher. I feel like I always have to find something to like, this is what I'm explaining. So it's not so abstract. So (laughs) I love that. Yes. um, Perfection is just, (laughs) it has never worked for me striving for that. And just to give yourself grace. I'm, Absolutely. I love that so much. Um, Oh, I'm writing down so many notes. So I'm sorry if I'm like looking down, I'm like, all right, that's good. That's good. Um, (laughs) um, Okay. So I'm, I'm fascinated about like your husband helped you with your business plan. So tell me about your, I'm just fascinated about like, what does your business look like? Like, Mm -hmm. is it just through coaching? Like I'm I'm finding that hard balance too with, I noticed that when I put pressure on me to make money doing things that light me up, it's, it's never a good combination for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to figure out that weird balance too of doing things that I know that I want to do, but not focusing on them, bringing and comparing like to what I used to make to now that whole transitional period. So I'm just fascinated, like what your business looks like, like how, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Well, so in the very beginning, back in 2014, while I was still teaching, I did, before I actually resigned from my position, I did a lot of uh, research on other kind of job types that I could do to kind of support my kind of goal that I was trying to bring into our household income without it being on my coaching business. I knew for a fact that I, so I needed time to be able to do my business and I also needed to make some money. And I kind of got really clear on that amount that I wanted to make. And so I just brainstormed, what are some positions that I can do, some jobs that I can do that'll bring in some money and, you know, also give me time. And where I landed with my experience at that time was, as a teacher, I could substitute teach and I could also tutor. And I met with somebody, a good friend of mine who was a tutor. She actually tutors out in New York. She gave me a very swift talking to when I first told her what I was going to charge as a tutor. She was like, girl, are you crazy? Like you need to triple that. And I was like, what? (laughs) She's like, yes. And she rattled off all the background and experience that I have. And I trusted her and I remember I put that down in my little, my advertisement wasn't really an advertisement, but in my listing. And sure enough, I had like three or four clients that were paying me top dollar to tutor them. I was like, no way to the point where I was actually making way more 
in what I what were when I was tutoring, I was making may, way more than I was as a coach. The first several clients that I took, I, I mean, my tutoring just blew it out of the the water. <laughs> like, I think all my um my little sayings today are also a little discombobulated. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, it's okay. <laughs> the little mom brain is real today. Um, but I just want to say, for me, that was a really special realization that whoa, I can kind of limit the amount of time that I'm working, still do something that's fun. Cause again, I love working with kids and it really gave me a great cushion for income while I was starting out. So I ended up doing that for a few years and I enjoyed it very, very much. It was a very fun way to kind of keep a couple, you know, toes still in the teaching pond and also really get to hone in on my skill as a life coach. I knew that whatever work that I was going to do on the side couldn't have a ton of uh, time and prep work involved. So tutoring was perfect because it was just an hour and I only needed like an hour, maybe a half hour to prepare something before. And it allowed me all the extra time in my day to do what I wanted with my business. So I did that for a while and then gradually started to feel like my service as a coach was being valued a little bit more, you know, I was bringing a little, a lot more to the table than maybe my first few, uh, times coaching I'm being hard on myself right now. I'm sure it was great, but, um, <laughs> I realized over time that it was, it was time to make the leap, really make the leap and leave the other work behind. And so I did, I decided to run my first program as a coach. And so the way that I structure my business now, what I've learned, um, and I should be very clear with anyone listening, I actually am not currently coaching right now. After I had my son Emmett back in October, I decided to again, take a nice long leave for my business. And I don't have a return date established right now because I'm really in a season where I love being a stay at home mom. So (laughs) I want to put that out there. Another kind of, uh, fun piece to running a business. But I, um, for the last several years, run two different programs and I capped one of them at like 15 people and the other one I capped at five. So I kept them pretty small, but I know a lot of coaches that run programs as well. And some have hundreds of people in them. So it just depends on what you're trying to do. But my coaching programs last about nine months long. And we talk all about ways to take care of ourselves while we are growing our businesses. And so every month there's a theme and we meet on a great, uh, great big coaching call. And we all kind of share out the things that are hard for us and kind of tied to our monthly theme. And then there's challenges and just a lot of support and uh, guidance from the other women as well, you know, as they're all kind of in a similar space going after what they want. Because what I realized in, in running a business of any sort is you really, really do have to take care of yourself because it's very easy to frazzle out and like get burnt out. It's um, you're excited about it. You want to work on it. You want to pour into it. But there's so many other areas of our lives, too, that help us feel really um, fulfilled and and just, you know, that light, you know, sparkly and just on. And it's like if we're not taking care of ourselves, the thing that we love the most, you know, the things that we love the most start to really become uh, burdensome and they don't feel as enriching. So it's a big piece of what we do together. But to answer your question, it's, you know, all about, I think, um, 
you know, in the beginning, figuring out how can you make money? How can you bring in some money while you focus on your, your business and the growth of that? And then for me, as I've evolved in my business, it's just really thinking about what do I want to do? Like, what are the things that feel really exciting? So I do one-on-one work with my clients. I do my group coaching calls, and then I also run my podcast. So the three of those things together are kind of how I run my whole coaching practice. And then I do a newsletter and my Instagram, and I do speaking events as well. So all of that together is kind of where I you know, make money, I guess you could say a couple of those things. I I don't make money from the thing itself, but they generate revenue from building relationships. So I love just hearing the intentionality of just how you create the space and the life you want and it's evolving and it's changing and you can pause and stop and, you know, pivot. I think for me, like I, I was taught to like, you pick one profession and you stay there for the rest of your life. And I, I'm always drawn to hear people's stories on them just creating a life that is not always the same, or it may change and pivot just depending on, you know, what's going on in your life. And I feel like your coaching business, it shouldn't just be for entrepreneurs. I could see you doing that just for moms in general, like having a community, like a self-care for moms community. Holy moly. I feel like I could have benefited so much (laughs) like with that transition. It's just, thank you. Yeah, no, I I think that's incredible. And um, oh, there was something else I wanted to ask you. I should have wrote it down. That's why I'm like, cause my mom brain is bad. If I don't write it down, I forget. Um, well, while you're thinking oh. of that, I just want to say though, like, it's funny you say that about the whole self-care for moms, because in this season of me being a mom and being home, I'm like, Oh, self-care is the <laughs> hardest it's ever been in my entire life. And I am in it right now. Like, Holy moly. <laughs> and, uh, it's really interesting that that's exactly what you've said, because I think one of the the beautiful aspects of, you know, just the path that I, that I'm on in the work that I do as a coach is that it can evolve because I'm constantly evolving. And it's like, you, there's, you, you just nailed it so perfectly with, you know, how we were kind of taught to stick in this one path. Like I was definitely in that same you know, vain. I think we all are, especially if we go to college, it's like, what do you want to major in? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? And I think that if we can constantly just be open-minded to change and, you know, things that light us up, then I think we're going to be golden, you know? So I am definitely in a season though, right now where I'm like, Hmm, what is my coaching specifically going to look like when I open the doors back up? And I definitely think it's going to be, you know, not just geared to one group for sure, but it will have some work with moms, (laughs) no doubt. (laughs) And your podcast, how did that blossom? Like, when did you start to like, say, you know, I think I want to do a podcast. Like what, what was marinating and to like help you spark that idea? Yeah. So I, I knew that I wanted to do a podcast when I started my business in 2014, but I didn't feel like I was, uh, I think mentally ready to take on another big project. There was just so many other things that I had to learn. And so once I finally felt like I was in a place where I had mastered some of the other components of running a business, I then was ready to kind of dive into podcasting. And I really wanted my podcast to just be an extension of the work that I was already doing with my coaching clients. So my podcast is called First and Foremost, and it's all about taking care of you first. So we really just talk a lot about, you know, ways that we're kind of approaching self-care and it can look like 
you know, being present and being mindful while brushing your teeth and Mm. calling that self-care, naming it, giving it space to be to, you know, other entrepreneurs who are taking giant risks in their lives and going after the thing to, you know, people who are just really feeling frazzled and tired, but gosh, how are they, how are they taking just a moment for themselves too? So it's like just an opportunity to be really candid and talk about what's happening with self-care. And then I also do kind of micro episodes where they're pretty short. I try to keep them under 15 minutes, under 20 minutes, where I just speak to little tools that I find really helpful in being mentally grounded and um, feeling cared for. And it's been a labor of love. I definitely, you know, have gotten so much um, just it's been a positive outlet for me creatively right now, though, I have taken a little pause since having my son Emmett, although all these things are going to be kind of back <laughs> in my, my realm here very soon. So, yeah. Well, I just want to applaud you. Um, I don't know if you're doing, it sounds like you're doing the podcast all by yourself. Like I am, <laughs> I don't know. Like I know how much work it is and I'm grateful that I dove into this knowing that Nick, my husband was going to support me because he's very much the technical person. And uh-huh. he did the research on, you know, all the little things and the editing and he does all that. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, I should probably learn how to do this just in case, because <laughs> I like, I watch him, but I've never done it. And I know how much work and time goes into it when you first start. And so I just want to applaud you for doing that. Cause I know it's, it's a labor of love for sure. It is. And especially I, you know, I haven't gotten to a point where I'm doing like sponsorships or advertisements on my podcast. My podcast, however, has been a fantastic source for connecting with other people um, through my programs and through coaching clients. So it's definitely been such a wonderful way to just stay connected to other women who, you know, are wanting to really do this work. And that has been the reward for me is like, I've just met so many incredible people, even through coming onto the podcast to talk. It's like such a creative outlet. I can't even begin to put words to it. So as challenging as it was to learn it, it's like now a piece of cake, but yeah. it takes time. It does take a lot of time. <laughs> so that's partly why I'm not able to do it regularly right now, because my life right now, I'm in a whole season where things are just really in flux. And so I don't have the bandwidth right now to be, uh, I guess, as regular with putting out episodes. Mm. I I just hearing you talk about self-care and just like recognizing your bandwidth. These are things that I just think we need to make sexy again. Like, can we normalize (laughs) this talk? It just like just being more vocal about communicating our needs. And like, I always say, like when I talk about how much sleep I get, I'm like, it's not sexy talking about like, I got eight hours of sleep, but (laughs) man, it's like, can we just make it really sexy to talk about it again? Instead of like, look at my six pack. It's like, look at my bed that I slept in for eight hours and it was so good. Um, oh, girl, I miss you on that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, oh, man, we are chatting up a storm and I just realized what time it was. So I'm going to try <laughs> tie it up in a bow. Um, but since you mentioned the season of life you're in with your two kids pausing on a lot of things to like really sink in time with them. So what are you valuing the most in the season of life currently? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I want to first say it's been it's been really challenging. We've had, you know, obviously we're all coming out of this pandemic right now. And, um, are you still there? Yes. Oh, sorry. It just like 
it, it, my screen left. So <laughs> I'll start over if you want, if it's going to be, Oh no, you're good. You're good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so basically I, I think for me, what I've realized is that I just love so much that we have each other. We have this time together. My husband has been working from home since the pandemic started. And I've realized so much about time, you know, like we were living in Chicago and we had, I'm telling you the home of my dreams, like my family with my husband and my two kids is everything I could hope for and more. And on top of that, we built this house that was just seriously something I had never could have even dreamt of for myself. It was, it was so special. And yet after we had kids, while we were living in the house, we just kind of realized, and then the pandemic hit, we realized that we were spending a lot of time away from each other as a family because of the commute that my husband had at the time. And so we made a really, really big decision to sell our house right in the middle of the pandemic and move. And so right now we're actually building a house in a town that is an eight minute drive to my husband's office. We're going to be so much closer once the house is built, but right now we are living with my in-laws. And so, so much of my life right now is, I think, you know, I talked to you a lot about this idea of how we create all the love and stability that we need. I think this season of self-care for me is probably the most challenging that I've had since my early twenties when I battled my eating disorder. And I feel like I'm being called to really, really take time for myself and um, slow down in the hustle and bustle of the busy day and just try to find a moment where I can think about what I'm needing and create some space for myself to be present because I find that if I'm not present and I'm not thinking about what I need, that's when I start to feel like I'm not being cared for. And that also leads to just an inner, like, you know, feeling drained, feeling tired, not feeling like I'm really showing up as my best self. There's just a lot that kind of goes into that. And so I'm just so deeply, you know, joyful to be able to have each other, to have our family, to be building our home, but also to be able to have time home with my, my family, because that is the gift. I think that in a way COVID has taught at least our family that like, gosh, you know, we need to be together. Like we need, we need more time together. And, you know, all that time of commuting was just time that we didn't have together. And so, yeah, we just took a giant leap of faith and so much is in the air right now, but it's like, I feel grounded in the the knowing that like this decision is what we need for where we want to be. Even though right now it's not exactly ideal. There's a lot of moving parts. It doesn't always feel very grounded and, you know, stable and all the things that I crave in my life, Mm -hmm. but I take a deep breath and I know I create all the love and stability I need and everything could be like, you know, but it's like at the end of the day, take a deep breath, you know, like you're okay. You got this. So I love that. Just trusting yourself and it's something so simple, but I feel like it needs to be heard all the time just to like go back to even deep breathing. When I learned about like breath work, I was like, this is life-changing. Like, why didn't, why didn't I learn about this? It just makes you be still and just 
listen. Like I realized the same thing about both my husband had long commutes before, you know, we, it was just very busy and I did not have space. I did not create the space to quiet myself, to actually listen to what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I like hearing the similarities of, but your life looks so different as well. Even though our situations seem very similar in this like weird limbo stage, (laughs) because our house just was finished building. It's built now. We're going to close on our house on Monday. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So yes, the house that we're in right now, we're renting it. Um, it's weird. This is the house I grew up in. So talk about a cushion. I've never moved in my entire life. I've been the same job that when I, my first teaching job, my first school, like I've stayed, everything has been the same constant. And this is a giant leap of faith that we're taking as well. So Mm -hmm. all of your little nuggets of wisdom and just mindset shifts, I'm like really soaking in right now. So thank you. You were such a light during, for me during this stage. Um, you uh, as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I know your typical day probably looks so different now. What, how are you, how are you putting in these little routines and like self-care acts for yourself during this time of transition? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have to be completely candid. My self-care looks nothing like it looked like when I was without children, even last year when I had just one child, my self-care now with two kids is a whole other different story. (laughs) (laughs) But there are a few things that I try to do and I give myself a lot of grace and that the package of like how I do it is very different. So before I used to sit down in the morning when I'd wake up, I'd have you know, a cup of coffee, a journal, I really spent a good chunk of time kind of taking um, a breather and just thinking about what I needed. And I had a little journaling prompts that I would do. And then I had my daughter and it was like, okay, maybe I can't do it first thing in the morning. But you know, when she takes her nap, I'll try to do it. Now, it's not very predictable in the sense that you know, I'm going to have both kids sleeping and I can do it at this time because here's the deal. I am tired. When both my kids are sleeping, I want to sleep. I also want to take a nap. So, I mean, I just have realized that it's kind of like a seize the moment type piece with self-care now. So in this season of my life where I'm fully home with my kids and I don't have childcare, it is just me. The way that I really try to tend to this is the moments that I have when I have them, I try to really label them as self-care. So I tell myself in my head, this is my self-care right now. And that act alone really makes me feel very loved and cared for. So it could be very mundane. It could be like, you know, my husband has the kids and I go for a walk with the dog by myself. You know, I tell myself I'm on that walk this is self-care. And I think about what do I want to do? How do I want to be present in this moment? And there's some days where I don't want a lot of presence. I actually want to check out. I want to listen to a really like totally like indulgent podcast that is not self-helpy. That is like all about the bachelor or some other thing, but I've labeled that as my self-care and it feels really good. Like it feels Mm. like a big giant hug. And then there are other times where I just really need to talk to a friend. I'm having a really hard day. And my self-care in that moment is calling a friend and being really candid and being really honest and vulnerable about what's hard. And I have a standing date with my therapist every week for an hour. She's like gold during all this. And there's just, 
this kind of embedded routine of seizing the moment when I have it. And right now my goals moving forward are to kind of build in some morning time for myself again. You know, my husband's around in the morning and he can take both kids for a little bit. So maybe I sneak away and I do some of that 30 minute journaling that I used to do, you know, nothing's impossible. It's more about figuring out what I'm needing and constantly checking in. So the question that I like to ask myself is what are you needing today, love? And I think about you know, what I have going on for the day or what's feeling overwhelming or because overwhelm for me is like the check engine light. It tells me that I need to dig deeper. Overwhelm isn't really an emotion that you can kind of pinpoint because it could be you're sad, you're angry, you're frustrated, you're tired, overwhelmed could be a lot of things. So I kind of dig deeper in that sense. And I think what's going on here. And so I even just will think about that. If I'm really having a great self-care day, I'll say, what am I needing today, love? And I'll think about that. And I try to just come up with one word to just hold me in that space of how I want to show up. So maybe I'm needing presence. Maybe I'm needing calm. Maybe I'm needing fun. Maybe I'm needing some um, rest, you know, whatever it is, I hold that word really, you know, close in my heart. And I try to be conscientious of it as I do my day. And really the little moments I get are a win. So if I guzzle a lot of water, I think self-care. If I'm in the bathroom, I'm in a TMI here, going to the bathroom by myself. Go for it. Pooping by myself, whatever (laughs) it is. There's usually like a little kid around. So I'm just going to put it out there. It's like self-care, right? Like time that I get for myself is is absolutely okay to say that it's self-care. And anybody that tells you that that's not self-care, that's a basic, you know, hygiene thing or whatever. Like there are seasons of your life where any little thing that you do for you is a win. And I'm kind of in somewhat of that right now. Like it's, it's hard, but it's not totally hard. You know, it's like, I got to just figure out when to have that time and kind of give it to myself, you know, like take the time and and make it for me. Cause that tends to be my biggest struggle right now is, you know, not taking the time that I know that I can have if I just declare that I need it. Mm. So lots of learnings in this season of life as a mom of two, I feel like with my son now just turning seven months old, I'm starting to get the hang of it. Like I've got two kids now type mentality And just really, you know, giving myself a lot of grace, like some days are really hard. And some days I feel like I don't do anything for myself. And then I reflect and I go, okay, like, oh, that was self-care and and that was self-care, you know? So it just, it's a mindset shift for me because the moment I feel like I am doing something for me, I feel calmer. I feel lighter. I feel more in touch, you know? Oh my goodness. There's so many great like strategies for just but you just bottled up into one, like just identifying like self-care is seasonal. It looks different for everybody. It looks different in your season, like naming it like that. It's something so small that we can all do. Like just going, just stepping outside and like looking at a tree and breathing. It's like, this is for myself. Like that it does change your whole, the whole energy when you do something, just naming it and labeling it self-care. I love that so much. It's such a simple thing that we could all do just to kind of bring an inner peace in that moment. And like seize self-care. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, everything you said, I'm like jotting down all these notes. I'm like, so, so many great nuggets of just simple shifts that we could do just to, I don't know, to love ourselves more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
All right. Uh, I'm so sorry if I'm taking up more of your time. Um, we're getting no, to no, the no. end, I promise. No, I'm okay. We're good. Uh, <laughs> and you, you may have mentioned this, but is there anything that you're currently working on right now that you're really enthusiastic about? I mean, it could be with your business or it could be personally, it could be a relationship. It could be anything. Is there anything that you're like really excited about right now in this moment that? Yes, I am. I'm very, very excited to be working on my memoir. So I've been writing a memoir for gosh, off and on for a few years. Um, it's been the most challenging thing for me to work on. Um, I got into a couple of ruts with it where I had to step away and like pause because it just was emotionally bringing up a lot that I think I wanted to kind of like let simmer a little bit more, but I've gotten to a space in my life where I'm just really energized by it. And I really, really, really want to complete it and get it done. So that is the thing I'm writing a memoir about, the specifics of what my life in foster care was like and the different homes and, you know, all the different lessons and things that I learned throughout the way. And it's essentially a story of a mother and daughter and the relationship that I have with my mom. So it's something that I'm very, very, very eager to finish and complete and very energized to do. Wow. That's exciting. Wow. <laughs> What, what sparked you? I guess, oh my goodness, maybe about one minute. I think my, someone's at my door. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. Hey, mom and Randy, I'll be down just a minute. I'm finishing up a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry about that. My mom and my sister here. I forgot, man. I'm I'm like so involved in this. I was like, I'm supposed to have a dinner date with them tonight. And they're already here a couple minutes early. Um, um, all right. So, man, we this whole conversation has been so moving. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. Um, what is one quote? We I'm big on words, and I'm all about like quotes. So, is there any quote that is like resonating with you right now in this season of life? You know, I have to just bring it back to the quote I said earlier, I create all the love and stability I need. I mean, that for me is really, really ringing true, especially right now in this chapter where we're not living in our home anymore. We have two kids, like a lot is in flux right now in our living situation. And I just keep reminding myself that, you know, that feeling of stability isn't based on the four walls of your home, you know, Mm -hmm. it's based on, you know, what your, you know, feeling is inside of you. And so that is really grounding for me right now, as we're in just this chapter of change, you know, there's a lot of change, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of question marks, and not knowing how long we're going to be living here, and what's, you know, exactly going to be next. And I just keep reminding myself that, you know, it doesn't really matter that I don't have the picture perfect nursery for my son right now, or that I don't have, you know, the, you know, extra bedroom for a guest when they come over or gosh, you know, whatever the thing is, the, the Instagrammable like background of my office, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm talking to you right now in my in-laws basement, you know, and (laughs) it's, it's okay. Like none of that stuff really matters. Mm -hmm. And 
not that it ever mattered to me before, but I do think there was a loss, a little grieving period that I went through, especially when we sold our home, because for me, so much of that home did represent a life that I had deeply longed for and craved as a child. And so to not have it was really, really, really unsettling. And actually, I think Jillian, uh, something I've realized in my therapy sessions with my therapist is that it stirred up a lot for me. You know, it, it wasn't this easy, clean move that I thought it was going to be. Instead, I kind of went back to that feeling of like, you know, living in somebody else's home, walking on eggshells a little bit of like wanting to make sure you're, you're, you know, respecting their space, that you're not taking up too much space, that you're not rattling any feathers, that you're ruffling up any feathers, you know, that kind of energy was very like within my body. And again, not, not because of anybody else around me, but because of my life experience. Like I just went back to that space of not feeling like I could just be myself, you know, like I felt like I had to be good, you know, like I had to be like as good as I can be. Otherwise I might get the boot, you know, not that my (laughs) in-laws are not going to boot me, but you know, it was like that inner feeling though of foster care where I just didn't feel stable. Like everything was, you know, dependent on your behavior or how things, you know, were going. And so I just, um, and to be clear, I never was, uh, uh, you know, all the foster home change and stuff that I had, I think was just part of the system, the way that it works, you know, wasn't anything that I did or my foster parents did necessarily. But I, um, I think that quote right now just really means a lot to me because I don't always feel very grounded within right now. Like I physically feel it in my body that I'm not grounded. Like I, I feel a lot of change. And I think, reminding myself continuously that the four walls don't matter. You know, it's what I feel within. It's the family that I have. We have a beautiful, wonderful, amazing family. And that's where the, the real, the realness is, you know? So holding onto that for me is really important right now because I'm in a season where I don't feel that constantly. So I got to keep telling myself those words because otherwise, (laughs) what am I doing? (laughs) And it was interesting. I looked back at like the first, I think I shared a quote and I don't know how I got connected to your Instagram handle, but the quote that I reposted was, if it matters, you will not mind the mess. Mm -hmm. And that spoke to me so much because to me, I'm learning that a good life is all about the feeling and it's not about the look by any means. And I think that's, it's all about the feeling. It's all about the feeling. And if you cultivate that feeling, it's like, man, nothing can break this because it's all inner. It's all inner work. It's nothing to do with the outer work. So everything you're saying is just speaking to my soul so much. Likewise, that's a great kind of, uh, those are great words to kind of come back to because, you know, so much in life gets really, really messy a lot of times, you know, and you know, the reason it's messy, the reason we care is because there's some, there's some component there that we feel grounded to or connected to or pulled to, and we're impacted by it. So it matters, you know, and uh, it's just a, a great mantra to kind of remember. I like that a lot. Well, it was your word. So thank you. I hope that doesn't come off. As like, <laughs> no, that's kind of where our podcast name came from. Simplified chaos. It's because like, 
you know, the good life is not going to look picture perfect. Those are great words, right? They're so great. (laughs) Thank you, Jen. It's brilliant. (laughs) Oh, this conversation has been so fabulous. I can't thank you enough for coming on here and chatting with me. And I will be the first one to buy your memoir whenever that's out or however you share it, because I'm so fascinated about the details of just your experience and all of your life pivots and challenges and successes and the journey. I just think it's so beautiful the way you, you tell it and you've been through such a different life than I have. And I, I'm so grateful for you sharing that and your honesty, um, just sharing all of it on here. Um, I guess if there is anything that you could leave our listeners with, we always like to leave something like a small actionable nugget tip, whatever you want to call it that you think would help, others live a more happier and intentional life for them, what would that be? Ooh, that's good. Well, I do want to just say um, that before I give that, like this month is foster care awareness month and um, it, it's really near and dear to my heart. And so I think the, the, the kind of initial, you know, my initial response is to just like, love on a child in your life to some capacity, whether it's your own, a student, um, maybe somebody that you know, that's going through a hard time, or, um, if you take it a step and a step beyond that, like, you know, a child in need, a child that is going through some adversity. Um, I just want to draw awareness to that because, uh, it is just such a, such a thing that really matters to me. And I, I deeply care about that. And I think taking it a step further, like inwardly, you know, we have to also foster ourselves. Like we have to take care of who we are and, you know, make sure that we are, you know, just really listening to whatever we need. And so my, my nudge would be to just check in, you know, like, what do you need? Just ask yourself, what do you need? What do you need today? Love and make that maybe your goal today, your goal tomorrow when you wake up and to just kind of come back to that and see what, what does your inner wisdom tell you? What does your inner calm sound like right now? And I think that that love can be extended to others, you know, whether it is through, you know, another child or where, you know, our family, our friends, our spouses or whoever, I think that we have to start within ourselves. So that would be my little nugget to try to just take it to the basics. What do you need? (laughs) So simple. It's great. I'm going to be asking myself that later tonight. (laughs) Anytime I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed, like what would Jen do? Oh, she would ask herself. So what would we need? (laughs) It's like those WWJD bracelets. You should have that on one of those bracelets. And I'm just going to be like, yep. Self-care check-in something. So Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, well, I'm going to keep thanking you so, so much. Um, if anybody in our community would love to get in touch with you, find you, where where's the best place for them to just see all the beautiful wisdom that you put out into the world? I would love to be connected with anyone that wants to, to say hello. It would be through Instagram at Jen Willie. That would be the best place. All right. And DM me, say hello if you're out there. (laughs) So I know that you're, you're, uh, you're there. (laughs) 
I'm glad you said that because there are some people who are like, yeah, don't DM me because I don't look at them and I don't want to <laughs> contact you through that way. So thank you for saying that because there are some people who are like, nope, no DMs, no DMs. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Jen. Um, this has been, it's been such an honor talking to you and hearing your story. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to send you good luck for this whole transitional time. Um, thank you. What a great interview, Jilly. Nice work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, folks, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you like this episode, please, please, please do us a favor and help us spread the message. You can do this by writing review on Apple iTunes. That really helps out. Or simply, you can share this episode with a friend. And remember, sharing sparks a conversation. Conversation leads to action. And action is how we're able to live a happy and intentional as hell lifestyle. We want to thank you all for listening today, and we will see you again next week. See you all later.